Come on, who's ready for the word of the Lord? Who's ready to be touched by the Holy Spirit today? All right, let's give Pastor Mark and Tammy Wallace a big hand as they come and minister the word today. Thank you, sir. You go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, what an amazing church. Well, three of you agree. This is your church. You ought to be excited about it. Come on, somebody. We, um, we are so excited to be with you all. Um, I want to say before I get rolling, uh, I want to welcome Lisa Randolph. She uh, is here, uh, lives in the area, but we were youth pastors down the way. I won't mention where, but we were youth pastors back in the mid-80s. And Lisa and her husband, Greg, were our key team youth leaders. And uh, we have semi-stayed in touch. We lost touch for a long time, but recently reconnected. We're going to get to spend some time with them later this evening. I love long-time relationships. I, I believe that everything in the body of Christ is built around relationship. First of all, our relationship with Christ, come on, and then our relationship with one another, how God forms and fashions those things for the long haul. So, yeah, we, uh, I grew up in uh, Illinois and uh, right on the border of St. Louis, so I am a Cardinals fan. So I just want to thank you, Atlanta for beating the Dodgers. Because there's only one thing worse than a Dodger, and that is a giant. Well, there's also the Cubs, <laughs> but anyway. Um, the real reason I'm preaching this morning is because your pastors nearly had a coronary last night when... Atlanta was going to the World Series. So good. So, so good. I was texting back and forth with Pastor Hunter, and, and uh, we were doing uh, happy dances. I was very, very happy for that. The reason I'm rooting for the uh, Braves in the World Series is because one of our hometown guys, a guy named Dylan Lee, has been in their organization for a very short time just this year, got traded from the Marlins to the Braves, and he is making his debut. Uh, he's, he's pitched a whopping four innings, but man, how exciting. He went to school with my son, and it's like watching, or watching uh, Dylan out there, watching Hunter and my prophesying, watching <laughs> Dylan out there is like, Amazing, because I watched this kid grow up, and there he is in the major leagues. He's coming back to Dinuba next month and going to be doing a, a big uh, outreach and, and uh, clinic for kids, and so it's, it's really exciting. All right, well, look, we uh, pastor a church out in Central California. God has an amazing sense of humor, because when we moved there 25 years ago, um, we had no idea that it was going to be our life's work. 
We had no idea. Uh, we went and took a little church of about 15 people. We actually had about 20, but five of them were my family. So, you know, we went and pastored a church of about 15 people. And uh, we've been there 25 years, and now it's the largest church in the city and uh, really within the region. And, and uh, we just love reaching lost people. We did not build the church off of uh, other churches. We built the church off of the lost. And it is amazing to see what God has done in the region. When we got there, the church had a very bad name in the community from former leadership and had dwindled down to nothing, but God resurrected it and, uh, and brought it back, and, and we are so excited. When I first got there, um, the pastors, all of which are white, in a community that is 90% Hispanic, And so when I got there, they all told me, you'll never reach the Hispanic people. And I said, why? And they said, you don't speak their language. You don't understand the culture. You'll never reach them. And I said to them then, there were 27 evangelical churches in this town at that time of 14,000. And I said, y'all fight over 10%. I'm going after the 90, right? And I believe a church ought to be bear the demographics of their region. And, uh, and so I was excited when I came in here today and saw this wonderful blend. Amazing, amazing church. So excited. Hallelujah. You guys rock. The heart for revival is something that my wife and I have had really dating back to when we first met at the ripe old age of 19. Hallelujah. Uh, We met earlier. We got married at 19. I do not recommend that. But we made it 38 years and counting. Hallelujah. And my amazing wife in the book, I call her Mrs. Braveheart. My last name is Wallace, and we trace our heritage back 17, my 17 times great-grandfather was Sir William Wallace, and we get to go to Scotland next year and do some more genealogy. It's just really cool, but I call my wife Mrs. Braveheart, and the reason is is because uh, another name that you all may be familiar with, Jason Protzman is my associate pastor, and uh, when I came out of the hospital and my first day back to work, he said, your wife, it was like watching a scene out of Braveheart. And uh, when I went, a book wasn't even on my radar at the time, but when I went to write it and I wrote the chapter in there about her and, and her warrior heart, um, I had to call it Mrs. Braveheart, my wife. And uh, she is really, truly the reason that I'm able to stand here today. Um, I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad to be anywhere because a year ago, Uh, In April, COVID-19, which has devastated our country in so many different ways, not just physically, uh, now over 700,000 people that are Americans have died of COVID-19 since the beginning. Um, Don't, 
you know, I know I'm in the South and I know that there's a lot of uh, debate back and forth in the body of Christ and a lot of argument going on. I commend your pastor last Sunday for addressing that nonsense that goes on and I'm thankful it doesn't happen here. COVID, COVID is real and uh, it came after us with a vengeance and we thought we had, you know, the blood over the the doorposts and we were protected, Psalms 91 and everything that we were quoting and yet it made its way and the reason that it did is because the enemy has an assignment on your destiny. I cannot stress that enough today. The enemy has an assignment against your destiny. I believe in prophetic destiny. It's the reason I'm alive today. And, and you should know. You should dive in. You're going to hear some of that this morning. You should dive into finding out from God what he has for your life. Because you're not an accident. You are here by divine appointment not only this morning but on this earth. And God has placed you here for such a time as this. And the body of Christ has got to awaken to that prophetic destiny because the enemy will come and try to take you out. And if you allow him to, he will do it prematurely. And uh, that's what happened to me uh, on April the 9th. I was, I'm sorry, on April the 17th, no, April the 9th, I was right to begin with. On April the 9th, I was taken by ambulance to the hospital to Kaiser in Fresno, and uh, I thought I was just dehydrated from COVID and that I had no energy. We couldn't even hardly walk uh, and get out of bed. I hadn't eaten in days. Uh, I was just, my body was down to virtually nothing. And uh, we, we had to go by ambulance. I did. My wife should have been with me because she was almost as sick as I was. And, uh, uh, you know, I used to say, on your best day, you couldn't catch your next breath if it wasn't for God. Now I know what that means. Now I know what that's like because I didn't encounter the, the valley of the shadow of death and touch it. I lived in that valley for a very long time uh, up under COVID-19. When I was taken to the hospital, uh, they told me uh, when I got there, they took me to a room. Then they rushed me about 10.30 that night. They rushed me into the ICU, and the doctor uh, called my wife and talked to me and said, we have to put him on the ventilator. Um, he's got, he's got uh, uh, COVID, not only COVID, but I had pneumonia. I had COVID pneumonia, and my lungs were shutting down. Everything was bad, and, and he called her, and I could barely breathe. I could barely talk at that time, and he said, ma'am, we need to do this, and she's like, I can't make this decision without him. She didn't know I was on the other line with the doctor, and um, so the short of it is the doctor said, look, we have to do that, and we need to do it now, and, and she said, what if we don't, and, she, and, and my doctor, Dr. Gassman, said he will be gone within probably the next 48 hours, and she said, well, what if we do? And he said, he has a slim chance, but slim is better than none. 
I didn't know how slim slim was. Uh, 89% of the people in those days that went on the ventilator never came off. And of the 89 out of 100 that died, the other 11, only one of them went home. So what he was actually saying is 1% chance of living if we put him on the vent. That's how slim the chances were. I'm thankful I didn't know how slim those chances were at the time, but, uh, but I'm also thankful that they, they intubated me that night, put me there, and all the vent does is keep you alive long enough for the COVID to work its way through your body, and hopefully after it ravages your body, you, there's still enough left that you are able to come off the vent and live. And so the ventilator is not an enemy. The ventilator is really just buying you that precious commodity, which is time. Uh, I was on the vent for 14 days. I was in a coma for 10 of those 14. I was in ICU for a total of 24 days and the hospital for 28 and, and during that time that I was in the coma, I have no recollection of anything whatsoever. And it's a weird feeling to come out of a coma and they tell you you've been there for 10 days and, and you just can't get that back and you, and you have no recollection. It's a very strange feeling to, to come out of that. But um, he basically, they gave us no hope. And I say, but God. But God. The story of my testimony is too long to be able to tell it all today. I'll give you a couple of tidbits in the midst of the message that I share with you. But I did write a book called I'm Not Done. And uh, the reason we named it this is because those were my first words when I came off the ventilator. And my middle son, Kyle, was FaceTiming. Uh, all of my family was FaceTiming with me. And I was finally able to talk. And uh, he said, Dad, we thought we lost you. And my first words were, I'm not done. And so my wife wrote the subheading, where there is no hope, when there is no hope, but God says live. And it's, it's a book about miracles, and I believe God is restoring and bringing a wave of miracles back to the body of Christ. They, they really never left, but the body of Christ has not pressed in to believe God for the miraculous. But we're here today, and we're going to see some miraculous things. We've been excited to be able to go across America and tell our story and, uh, and, and share with people, and we've been seeing amazing miracles. The Lord has just been so wonderful. We'll share some of that with you a little bit later. But I just want to say one more thing about this. My wife will be out or someone will be out front after the service or at the end of service uh, to take care of you there. Uh, I'm going to minister to people if the need is there and the Holy Spirit leads. And so um, uh, I will be happy to hang around and sign and uh, uh, personalize these if you would like. But I just want to tell you that um, this is a very honest, a very raw uh, encounter. 
A lot of people look at miracles and they see the glamour. And they talk about the man of faith, you know, that preaches and prays for the sick and they're miraculously healed. And we look in the Bible and we have this, this mindset of all the miracles that the apostles did and all the miracles that Jesus did and performed. And we look at it and we look at the glamour of it. I'm here to tell you miracles happen in dark places. Miracles happen. The very nature of a miracle is when you're at your ropes in. I know what it's like when your faith and your humanity collide. And, 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 you know, I was full of faith and I was full of my humanity all at the same time. And my eyes were on the circumstances around me when I came out of the coma and I was in that much pain. But I'm so thankful that God is not bound to where we are in a moment, in a snapshot of time in our faith and we're faced with all of our humanity. But God looks at it, and, and he looks beyond all of that. Amen? And so uh, the book is really real. It's, it's, it's relevant. We had some amazing encounters with the angelic host in, in the room, amazing things that God did supernaturally. And, uh, and I just, you know, would encourage you to get it. By the way, if you're not a reader, that's okay. Get it anyway because we've been hearing uh, a lot of people say, oh, I don't read very much. I hate to read. I loathe reading. And they've bought the book and they read it in one setting. And so I'm just forewarning, do not pick this up at 11 o'clock at night and think you're going to read a chapter and fall asleep. It, it will absolutely captivate you because that's what God does. And, uh, and so we encourage you to grab one of those if you would like. Um, as I said before, I believe there's a whole new wave of miracles that are coming to the body of Christ. The reason I believe that I am one. And this morning, I, I, I just know the word of God says this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let that sink in for a minute. That means this. Anytime you give testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, it becomes a prophetic word to the ears of those that hear it. That said, what he did for you, he will do for me because he is no respecter of persons. That ought to excite you because, you know, hands up those that God's done something in your life. Amen? And that's the good news that we go and we share where the Lord has done something in our life, where Jesus has become real and relevant and alive and well on the inside of us. And I'll tell you, when you begin to share that testimony of Jesus, prophetically, you're speaking to everybody that hears you. And now people get saved. They get they get, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get healed. They get delivered. All kinds of things begin to happen, and the body of Christ moves forward. I think and I believe we need to see miracles in the body of Christ. The reason is, is because miracles validate our claims of Jesus. The time of programs, in and out in an hour and 15 minutes, Coffee and donuts to go. A little poem from Reader's Digest, and we build a big mega church off of that. I don't see anything convenient in the Word of God. 
I say, seek ye first the kingdom and all these other things that will be added to you. And we have, we have watered down and we have minimized the power of God and true revival in the church. And the reason that we don't see more results is because so many times in the body of Christ, I believe we're just trying to reason with people to accept Christ. Like it's a good idea. How many of you know it's beyond a good idea, right? And so we need miracles because every time I see a miracle in the Bible, every single time it converts to souls coming into the kingdom. And so we need to see miracles, and I believe that this morning we're going to have a few of those. Hallelujah. Let me just pop that open. So I want to share these verses with you very quickly out of the book of Mark, chapter 5. And uh, I know I, 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 this is not... On purpose, uh, I've been preaching out of this, out of this chapter and out of this text uh, for a month now. We've been traveling. We took a sabbatical from our church, and we're halfway through. You guys are the halfway point, and uh, we still will be going to Alabama and Texas on our way back to the West Coast. We put 7,200 miles on our vehicle. Hallelujah. That'll bless you. And... Um, yeah, God's up to some cool stuff. It's been fun. Mark chapter 5, the scripture, I know you guys have been in the book of Mark. And uh, I also know your, your word for the year is all about multiplication. Hmm. Got some stuff stirring in my spirit, but I'll wait for that. Bible says a great crowd kept following Jesus and pressed him from all sides so as almost to suffocate him. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood, the King James says an issue of blood for 12 years who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but instead grew worse. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus. Somebody say, she heard. The reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garments, for she said, if I can only touch his garments. The, the Amplified says, if she kept on saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be restored to health. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up at the source. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. She felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. I love this. And Jesus recognizing in himself that power was proceeding from him and it had gone forth. He turned around immediately in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? The disciples kept saying to him, are you kidding me? Okay, that's paraphrased. <laughs> what do you mean, who touched you? 
You see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides. Remember, the earlier verse said it was so thick that it was like it was suffocating him. You ever been in a big crowd? I mean, I've been at Disneyland at Christmas. That'll make you talk in tongues. Even if you're not spirit-filled. You look out there and you are just overwhelmed. It is wall-to-wall people and you have to look up and enjoy the scenery because if you look at the crowd, it will feel suffocating. And that's what was going on with Jesus. It said it was so thick, it was a multitude of people, so thick that it would have suffocated him. And so the picture is this, that the disciples are surrounding him, pushing the crowd back so that he can make his way through the streets. I want you to keep that image in your mind. You ask who touched me, and he kept looking around to see who was it? Who touched me? Who did it? But the woman, knowing what had been done for her, though she was alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. We'll stop right there. I I just, you know, this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. Can you imagine, you can't imagine what it's like to bleed for 12 years nonstop. All the rules of Judaism said, you're not allowed in public. You're not allowed out in this area. You have to be confined to your home and you have to be separated. It sounds a little bit like COVID. (laughs) And, and, And you have to be separated from everyone else. You're not allowed out in the crowd. You are unclean, and it is not lawful for you to be there. And this woman had gotten a a word from her doctors that said there's no hope. As a matter of fact, it said she spent everything she had, her entire life savings on doctors, and she got no better. In fact, she grew worse. So now she's not only sick, you guys, but she's broke. She's depleted. She's got no hope. No hope. When all hope is gone, but God, but God. And you know, on, on April the 17th, my wife got a call from the doctor. I had been on the ventilator for uh, uh, all these days. I'd been on since April the 9th. And it's now to the 17th, and uh, I'd been on the vent for eight days. Nobody knew I was on the ventilator except my family and my staff and a few key ministry around the country. We didn't tell them. My wife chose not to because a lot of times it seems when you're going through something, I don't need everybody's opinion. I don't need Facebook's approval. I don't need your tweet, right? And so what we have done is we have made it a practice that when we're going through something, we circle the wagons. We come in tight where there's an atmosphere of faith and what we're believing for, and we don't allow that other stuff to fill our minds. And my wife 
true to that, though I was on the ventilator. How many of you know when you go on the vent, um, there's a lot of opinion <laughs> and a lot of people. I've had people that have come to me and said, they, in my humble opinion, they should have never allowed you or put you on the ventilator. And I said, well, in your opinion, number one, I didn't ask for it. And number two, I'm thankful they did because I'd have been dead in 48 hours. And so, so she kept those cards close to her chest. But you guys, on April the 19th, 17th, April the 17th, she gets this call from the doctor who's, it's uh, Dr. Sharma, who is an Indian, and I've heard through the nurses that he is Hindu. He calls her and he says, get the family on the line. I was in a coma, and he said, get everybody on the line. She did, and he said, uh, I need you to understand that we've done all we can do. His kidneys have shut down. His liver has shut down. His lungs are not only scarred, but they're not functioning. And his heart is beating so rapidly that if he does not die in the next couple of days from COVID, he will die of a heart attack. She said, wait a minute. This, this, this makes no sense. She said, he was doing better, and, he, and, and the doctor told her, Dr. Sharma said, no, Miss Wallace, you have to understand the big picture. His, his numbers got a little bit better for a moment, but it was just a few of the numbers. Overall, this thing is not only bad, but he has grown worse. And there was a woman with an issue of blood that had given all she had and given everything to the doctors. And she, her condition was, she didn't get better, but she got worse. And she said to him, Doc, doctor, listen, you're giving me no hope here. And he said, look, I can't give you a false sense of hope. I'm just telling you, we've done all we can do. He's in multi-organ failure. Nothing is working. He is literally drowning in his own uh, liquids in his body and, the, and the, the, the toxins and everything are building up. There's no way to get rid of it. He, we need to put him on dialysis, but even if we did, nothing else is working either. She said, okay, I get it. You're telling me no hope. And then she said these amazing words. Fine, I don't need your hope. Just tell me what has to happen for him to come off the ventilator. Just tell me what has to happen. You see, my wife had a word earlier that day. That early morning hours of, of that same day of April the 17th, a lady in my church who is, is an amazing intercessor, young gal in our church that loves the Lord. She's so prophetic. She sees things. She did not know I was on the vent. She did not know they had put me in the prone position face down, which is why I have this scar. And uh, people look at that scar and they say, 
what, what's that? And I said, you ought to see the other guy. Hallelujah. Um, that's from the vent tube coming out of my mouth for that 14 days, being in the prone position for 16 hours at a time. And then they would turn me back over on my back for a couple of hours and then back in the prone position because it takes pressure off of your lungs when you're face down. And so they did that, and that was the sore that, that it bore in from the hose uh, and the tube into my cheek. And um, so during this time, while I'm face down, that morning, <laughs> Rosemary gets this vision. Now remember, she has no idea I'm on the vent. And she reaches out to my wife and she says, and it's in the book word for word because it's in the form of a text. But she says, I see an angel in the room. And he is speaking. And when he is speaking, words are coming out and they're like gold fire that is like a laser that is bearing those words that he is declaring over Pastor Mark, and it's all over the walls, it's all over the bed, and gold is all over the ceiling, it's all over the floor, and it's the words that he is speaking and declaring over Pastor Mark that he will live and not die, and on and on and on, and, and you'll live to tell the glory of the Lord. And she's, she's telling this vision. And then she says, these words are so great, I see another manual next to him. And she said, and it's words that Pastor Mark is getting from heaven as there are downloads and there are sermons and there are messages and that is the word that will be told around the world. And all of this is going on. I didn't know it. I'm in a coma Later that day, in the middle of the afternoon, wasn't it? She gets the call that is so contrary to what the word said over me. And the contrary word was, he's going to die. You need to prepare yourself. He is not going to make it. So what do you do? When all of your circumstances and the word you're getting from the doctor is he will die, but the word you've had from the Lord is you will live. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy 4.17, God downloaded this to Tammy a few days before I, I uh, uh, got the rest of this. I think it was like the 12th. She got this word. And 2 Timothy 4.17 in the New Living Translation says, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known to all the Gentiles. The full gospel might be fully known to all the Gentiles. And I was delivered from certain death. And she hung on to that word. And so all I'm telling you is this. That whenever you are looking at your circumstances in an impossible situation, you better have a word from God that you can lean on. You better have something from God. The Bible says this woman heard 
about Jesus. First thing in this, in this message, she heard that Jesus was coming to town. She heard about the miracles. This is, the, uh, the very essence of a miracle is there is no hope. There is no hope. There is no hope. There are no resources. Your networking isn't going to help you. It might be a financial miracle you need today. It might be something going on in your marriage that you need today. It might be something going on in your family that you need today. It might be something with your career that is all hope is gone. Doesn't have to be a physical thing. You need a miracle. And you better have a word from the Lord that you can hang on to in the midst of this. We had so much prophetic destiny that's been spoken over our lives. It's just, it's, it's, uh, time would fail me to be able to tell you all the prophetic destiny that's been spoken. But even with that, while, when I, when, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but obviously I came to, and I was in so much pain and so much agony that I was literally there praying, God, just take me. Just take me. It hurts too bad. I, 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 and I started reasoning with God. I started debating with God. I started re, uh, uh, negotiating with God. How many of you know you're not going to win that negotiation? Right? I'm so thankful he didn't listen to my stupidity. Right? She heard that Jesus was coming to town. What are you hearing? Faith comes by, and I'm sorry, but all the people online are going to hate me, and your video guys are going to hate me, but I'm going to get out here among you in a minute. What do you do when all hope is gone? You've got to have a word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So when she heard what the doctor said, it did not equate with what God said. And she said, no pun intended, what God says trumps anything the devil says. It trumps anything the devil says. It will trump the circumstance. So here's this woman, and she looks at her circumstances and says, I'm stuck here in this house. I'm not allowed out in public, but I have heard that Jesus is coming to town, and I have, it doesn't line up with what my circumstances say, but I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And the Bible says she kept on saying, so what she heard, she started speaking. After my wife heard all of this, my son, he, the doctor hung up, and my son said to her in his, he, my son is, is, what is Kyle, 40? 30, 30, how old is Kyle. 33? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm 58. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just turned 58 last Monday. I'm so glad. I got to tell you, when I turned 57, it was my first birthday out of the hospital, and they made a cake, and, and, and I said, I want 57 candles. And they said, 57 candles? 
Are you going to be able to blow all them out? And I said, why do you want that many candles? And I said, because I can. <laughs> right? And uh, so anyway, back to this. Sorry. Squirrel. Um, so she hears that Jesus is coming, and she starts saying what the Word says. You better start talking about what the Word says. When my son said to his mom, Mama, is Daddy going to die? Her words were this. Your father will live and not die. You've got to keep this in perspective. This is at the exact moment, just moments after she heard the word that I had no hope. No hope. He is dying. Any minute he could go. But my little wife, Mrs. Braveheart, rises up and says, no, he will live and not die. And the kids said, you've got to put this on Facebook. You've got to tell everybody how bad it is. But you've got to tell them to pray. And and you've got to do this. My wife had gotten a bunch of people to pray. We had a few thousand people that were praying around the world at this time. And then my wife writes this. I call this when 20,000 people pray. She said this, there's great power in our words, and I'll leave that there. I will not be posting constant updates. If you see nothing, it's because we have not yet seen the victory. So especially to our LWF family and our family and friends around the nation, please, it's time to fight. Not just say we're praying for you. It is time to get serious and bear down in intercession. This is no time for pity or fear. You've been trained to come against the enemy of our souls. You know the word. So let's begin to declare the word that never fails. Together we are overcomers, LWF. You are safe. Mark will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony, and he will preach again and see multitudes come into the kingdom. I declare the anointing will be stronger than ever, and the devil is going to be sorry that he ever decided to pick this fight. I love you all, and I need your prayers and your agreement. After those words... She ended that text with this. We are not wanting to accept the time frames the doctors predict. I do not have the proper words to tell you how we feel. The kids and I are emotionally exhausted. We love and appreciate all of the support and love and prayers that we have received. You guys are amazing. But listen to this. We can't wait until we're able to celebrate our miracle together. What a celebration that's going to be. And you're all invited. So until then, let's armor up and keep fighting. Psalms 41, 1 through 3. 
The Lord will save Mark Wallace in the day of trouble. The Lord will protect Mark and keep him alive, and he will be called blessed in the land. You will not hand Mark over to the desires of the enemy. Mark will, the Lord will sustain and strengthen Mark on his sickbed in his illness. You will restore Mark Wallace to health. My little wife... Mrs. Braveheart gets a word and says, no, he's not going to die. And she keeps saying this, not only to my son, but then our board. You know, our board of directors is concerned. What, uh, I mean, we need to talk about a succession plan, right? Tammy says, okay, fine, we'll talk about that. There's something in place, blah, 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 blah. But just know this. We don't need a succession plan because Mark is going to live and not die. She gets back on the phone with the doctor and she says, my husband will live and not die. I have a word from the Lord. Come on, somebody. And, and, and she dove into that and she said, he will live and not die. I just wonder, what are you saying when all the circumstances are surrounding you? I think the reason that people don't see miracles enough is because they start believing their circumstances ahead of the word. What does God say? And the Bible says that this woman pressed through the crowd. Can you imagine? She's weak. She's frail. This is Disneyland at Christmas and that, that's, that's my point of reference in this. Because here she comes, pushing her way through the crowd and saying, I got to get to him. If I can touch him, if I can get to the hem of his garment, what is that? Well, the priests in those days, the rabbis, wore a prayer shawl and off of the prayer shawl, there was what is referred to as the tzitziot. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The tzitziot was like a strand that would come down. And, and watch this. Every time that the rabbi gained greater level of authority, there was a knot that was tied. And so a tzitziot that had multiple knots meant great authority. And you knew what station the rabbi was in and what the authority level was and what his ranking was by the knots that were tied on the tzitziot of the prayer shawl. And this little woman said, if I can touch the authority, it will supersede the authority that's going on in my body. She didn't deny that there was an authority at work in her body. She just denied that it had greater authority than he had. Come on, somebody. Tammy's declaration became the swords up cry that 20,000 people that we know of, at least 20,000 people around the world started praying. What happens when 20,000 people pray? I'm telling you, prayer changes things. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. 
And these prayers were filling the bowls in heaven that it speaks of over in the book of Revelation that the elders of the church are around the throne and they are holding these bowls and the bowls are filled with the incense of the prayers of the saints. And when the bowl is filled, it comes to the altar and it is poured out upon the altar. And understand this, that there is incense that is poured into the bowl and it is mixed with the glory and the presence of God and then an angel says I'll take that right now and the angel comes over and dumps the bowl out on the earth read it in the book of Revelation it's in the book and dumps it out on the earth that is the answer to the cries of the saints And so there is warfare. There is a strategy that she starts. She not only did that, but she said, in that room, there is a spirit of death. And and he's getting no hope. If he's getting no hope from the doctor calling me, there's no hope going on there. And she said, I have to get word into him. I have to create an atmosphere. So she puts this list together of worship, this playlist of worship, not just this foo-foo worship stuff going on, but this is power worship. This is, this is miracle worship, right? This is, we need a miracle right now. God of miracles come. And she starts putting all this together and 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 she sends me a message and she says mark your name is mark it means warrior fight honey fight fight and this is going on in my ear in my room and then a prophetic voice speaks to her and says to tells her uh, uh, this is the man that speaks into our lives and he said you need do you have a message that he preached on vision and she said, well, yeah, at the head of every year, he's always preaching on vision. And, and he said, you need to get that recorded and put that on this list and get that there. And she said, why? He said, because he needs to be reminded of his destiny and who he is. And so while I'm in a coma, this is going on. We found out later that nurses would come in the room because the spirit of death was so strong. Everybody was dying around the nurses. They couldn't go around their family. They couldn't go around their friends. They would have to FaceTime and and stay in hotels and on and on and on during this time. This is at the very beginning of the pandemic. And they said, we could find no reprieve. The lounge, there was no reprieve. There was only one place in the entire hospital we could go to get a reprieve, and it was in his room where the atmosphere, the atmosphere was under the anointing. I'm unconscious, but the anointing is flowing in the atmosphere. And this little woman presses through the crowd and she says, I got to get to that authority. I got I to gotta get my miracle. And she starts pressing through and saying, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm, I know this is inconvenient and this is a bother to you, but excuse me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Excuse me. And it wasn't like that. It was more like this. Excuse me. Please. Let me through. Let me through. I got to get there. I got to get to him. If I can get to him, it's all going to change. But I got to get to him. I'm sorry. 
know this thing can be, I know, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. I gotta get through. Please, I gotta get through. Because I gotta touch him. If, if I can press through, if I can press through, if I can press through, I just came along to tell you this morning that you may have to press through to your miracle. You may have to press through to what God has for you. Somebody's getting it over here. Do you understand this? I'm telling you, you've got to be willing to press through whatever the circumstances are around you and say, I came to get my miracle. He's my only hope. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing in this house. So she did something. She didn't just say it. She pushed through. I don't know who God's talking to right now, but some of you, you need to press through whatever is going on in your life. I know it's hard. I know you're weak. I know you're weary. I know your flesh is screaming at you, but you gotta press through it. If you can press through, you'll get what you need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So she presses through. And I love this. When she touches him, the Bible says, suddenly. Suddenly. I love the suddenlies of God. My suddenly came while I was still in a coma on April the 17th. My suddenly came when it all shifted up in the realm of the spirit. It all shifted there and my suddenly was starting to manifest in the earth. Because watch this, three days, somebody say three days. Three days, how many days was Jesus in the tomb? Come on somebody. It didn't happen on Easter Sunday, but the following Sunday in 2020, three days after she got the word that I was going to die, but she had the word, no, he will live and not die. She spoke it. She pressed through for the miracle and my suddenly came on April the 20th because I woke up. I woke up. All of my organs were still shut down, but I woke up. That was on Sunday. On Monday the 21st, supernaturally, my kidneys started functioning. They drained four liters of fluid off of me. And then another two within, that was within minutes. They called and they told my wife, his kidneys started working. She said, check. Come on, somebody. Now let's work on the liver. And then let's work, you know, she just, what needs to happen for him to come off the vent? And she had her grocery list and she took it to the Lord and said, check, check, check. Hallelujah. Oh, you know why I dance? White boy can't dance, but I can dance because I can. Hey. 
my liver starts working, my kidneys start working, my lungs start working. They start turning down the ventilator and they said, we're gonna give him the test to see if he's ready to come off. And I failed. I know I got you all excited and then I failed. Failed the test. They turned it down to a level that needed to happen for me to be able to come off the vent and no longer depend on a machine to keep me alive. And my body couldn't handle it. It took 24 hours for me to regain enough strength in my body for them to try again. But the good news is, it was supposed to take three or four days. And in 24 hours, they came in early that morning. And at about 5.30 in the morning, the nurse comes in. And she said, he's choking. And, and, and he needs, what was it? Uh, he needs to be suctioned. And he hates this. Oh, man. I was a terrible patient. I really was. I was mean. I was that grumpy old man. I, 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 but I was all drugged up, right? So, so check it out. She comes in early that morning and she says, Sir, we need to suction you. Mark, is that okay? And I'm like, yeah. And she suctioned up, not to be gross, but this huge mass. And when she suctioned it up, my breathing changed. They gave me another SBT, that is a spontaneous breathing test. And I passed the test. And my doctor, Dr. Sharma, who said he has no hope, the Indian doctor, come on somebody, the guy who I'm told is Hindu, walks in and he stares through that mask and through that shield and he stares a hole right through me at the foot of my bed and he stands there and he says, Nothing. <laughs> now, when somebody stares at you like that, what do you want to do? What? <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm on the vent. I can't speak. And he's staring at me and staring at me. And, and I want to say what? And all of a sudden he says, are you ready to come off that thing? And I'm shaking my head and I'm moving around. Because you guys, they had me restrained. I was tied down. When I woke up, I was tied to the bed because if you move the tube, you'll die. I was stripped naked except for a loincloth because they had to pack me in ice to get my 103 fever down. My feet were restrained, my, my hands were restrained, and I laid there and I had this in my mouth. I couldn't speak and I was in drastic pain. And all I could do was shake my head, yes or no. And so when he said, are you ready to come off that thing? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I am really ready to come off this thing. Within minutes, they extubated me. But watch this. In the middle, and I, I'm saying this for somebody here today. Because in, my, in the middle of God doing a miracle, I was in the greatest pain of my life. When I was unconscious and in the coma, I was not aware of the pain I was going through. 
When I woke up from the coma, I was very aware of all the pain. And it, 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 the tube is only three-eighths of an inch in diameter, but it felt like a quarter going all the way down my esophagus, down into my chest. And the pain was excruciating. And the panic was so... It was beyond, it was, I'm already claustrophobic. I, I fought that as a kid. I talk about that in the book too. But, but I'm tied up. I can't scratch my nose. I can't move. I can't do anything. And uh, in the midst of all that pain, an angel shows up for that same three days. I'm just telling you, it may be the darkest it's always the darkest before the dawn. And, and you might be in your darkest hour, but it doesn't mean God's not working. In fact, one of the songs on the playlist was Leland singing Waymaker. <laughs> Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working when you're on a ventilator and the doctors are saying no hope and you're panicked and you can't breathe and you can't move and you're tied to a bed. God's still working. God is still working. And I started hearing this voice. And it always came at night. It happened two days before I came off the vent and the third night, which was right after I came off the vent. And I'll close with this. <laughs> I thought it was my doctor in the next room. He was yelling at the top of his lungs. You ever been where there's thin walls, right? It sounded like, I can only describe it as sounding like it was coming from the next room. And remember what Rosemary had prophesied. I didn't know any of that. She didn't know I was on the vent, and I didn't know she had given a word and a vision. This voice starts saying, he will live and you will live and not die. With long life, I will satisfy you. He's yelling. I'm going to pull the mic down. You will live and not die. With long life, I will satisfy you. You will declare the works of the Lord and display his glory. And every verse of scripture that pertains to faith that you could imagine, he is quoting it. He is prophesying. He is making declarations. And I'm laying there. And at first, that was really cool. But then, he wouldn't let me sleep. <laughs> and I kept saying, who is this guy? He, he, he's, he, I need to, when I come off this thing and I get out of here, I need to talk to Dr. Gassman. <laughs> and tell him a little bit about ministry etiquette because he's going to run off all the nurses and the other doctors. And by the way, they're paying you to doctor, not to prophesy all night. So I'm really troubled laying there in the bed and I'm hearing this at the top of his lungs and I'm going, you have got to be quiet. And he only knew one volume. You will live and not die. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. The next night, 
Same thing. First night, a nurse walks in in the middle of the night to check my vitals, and I look over, and she doesn't hear anything. She's just like doing it, and I'm like, oh. She doesn't hear anything. She walks out of the room like it's nothing. The next night, she comes in. Same nurse, same results. She's not hearing anything. I'm the only one hearing this, and I'm going, Why can't you shut this man up? And then I reasoned to myself, she must be afraid of him. He's a doctor. She's a nurse, right? He could cost me my job, right? Third night, now I can talk. And she comes in again. And I looked at her, and in my faint voice, I looked at her and I said, Who is that guy? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, the guy that's preaching and prophesying. It it sounds like the doctor in the next room. She says, it's okay. (laughs) You're hallucinating. I looked at her and I said, are you real? She said, well, yeah, and she snickered, and I said, but you don't hear that. She said, there's nobody here, and I was mad that she could not hear what was going on. I woke up, I talked to my wife, FaceTime, and I said, Tammy, I have got to straighten Dr. Gassman out, because he is prophesying and doing all this, and and, and he's got to stop this. This is not good. So here it is, going along, and, and she says, that's not a doctor. That's an angel. And she reads me Rosemary's Prophecy. And I'm laying there realizing I didn't have eyes to see, but I had ears to hear. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord is saying. And all while I thought I was dying, God was saying, live. I actually felt my body leave my, uh, or my spirit leave my body twice. The first time was the, the night, two nights before I came off the vent. And the song started playing. You might have heard of it from Elevation Worship, Rattle. Now, that came out a week before I was on the vent. It came out at Easter. Actually, I was already on the vent. My son Kyle said, you got to get this song to him. So I'm hearing rattle for the first time, but my spirit is leaving my body, and I'm hovered over my body, and I'm realizing I'm going to die. This is it. And all of a sudden, I hear these words, God says live. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden, my spirit came back into my body. Prophetic worship. The next night, I leave my body again. And this time, this is the night before I came off the vent. This time, the enemy speaks to me in this wonderful voice and says, I've come to take you tonight. 
It's okay. Sounded a little bit like God. He comes as an angel of light. None of you, my wife would have never known if I'd have listened to that voice. But I am laying there in that bed and I hear that voice tell me I've come to take you and I feel my spirit leaving my body and all of a sudden something rose up in me. I, I, I liken it like this. My favorite movie in the whole world is Tombstone. I'm a guy, okay? Y'all remember the movie Tombstone? Are you too young to... Okay, right? Remember when Wyatt Earp is trapped in a crossfire and he is laying there against the rock and bullets are flying everywhere and all of a sudden he's like, no! And he gets up and he goes out across the creek and he just starts shooting. Y'all remember bullets flying everywhere. No. Bullets. Bing, bing, bing. No. Later, my favorite part, though, is after it, when they get out of it, all the guys come to Doc Holliday and they said, where's Wyatt? Well, he's out walking on water. And I got to tell you, that's how it came when I was there. It's the only way I know to describe it. Because when the enemy said, I'm going to take you tonight, something rose up in my spirit and I said, that's not God. I couldn't speak, but I groaned as loud as I could. That's not God. And then I said, I'm not done. There's prophetic destiny on my life. And with those words came back all the prophetic utterances that God had ever spoken over me. And all of a sudden, I rose up and, man, I tell you what, the miracle was on. I came off the vent. I came home. They told me it would be months before I could preach. I preached on Father's Day three weeks later. First day live. They offered me a stool. The pastor offered me a stool today, and I said, no, I'm okay. You know, why? Because I can. God's got a miracle for you. The greatest miracle that you'll ever receive is salvation. It is miraculous how God can change you and transform you in a moment's time from the darkness of the world to the light of his love. It is amazing. And uh, if we could have somebody come up, I just want you to take a moment and bow your head all around the place today. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing in the house. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. I never go without the opportunity to share. Why? Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And at the end of every miracle, there is always salvation. And so if there's anyone here today and you've never accepted Christ, 
right there where you're at. You feel him tugging you. He is real. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. You have prophetic destiny over your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And I'm telling you, it's not just fire insurance so you'll go to heaven, but it is a new life. He said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Being a Christian is the greatest thing in the world. Serving Jesus, knowing him intimately, walking and talking with Holy Spirit. It is so amazing. And I wanna invite you today, if you've never made that decision to follow Christ, or maybe you're here and you have strayed and you have gone far, far from him, and today you wanna get things right with him. You need to make a decision to be a Christ follower. If that's you, I want you to throw your hand up in the air. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you there where you're at this morning. I just want you to lift your hand so we can pray if there's anybody. There's one, anybody else, anybody else, just lift your hand to the Lord really high so I can see there's another one. Anybody else? You say, I I want in on this prayer, Pastor Mark. Pray for me today. Yes, there's another one. Anybody else? Come on, somebody. Yeah, thank you, sir. There's three or four that have raised their hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, I'll pray with you. Your life will change. I'm not promising you a bed of roses. It was no bed of roses what I went through, but I'm here to tell you he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he will walk with you and talk with you in the cool of the day. Your life will be changed and transformed. There'll be a peace that does not matter what's going on around you. He will give you that peace that passes all understanding. Your whole life changes in a moment. This is your suddenly moment. If you're here today and you need to receive him, who else am I talking to? Come on, just throw it up in the air real quick. Let me pray with you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Would you all do me a favor? I want everybody to stand in the place. Don't leave, don't leave, but just stand there and reverence God. And we're gonna pray together. I want those that lifted their hand and said, I need to make a decision for Christ. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. I'd like to invite you to come down and stand here and let me pray with you today. All those that raised their hand, there were about four of you. Come on. Don't worry about your position in the church, what anybody else thinks of you, or if you're known, you're not known. Listen, Jesus was stripped naked and, and, and paraded down the city streets, the Via Della Rosa to the cross. If he can go in that kind of shame you can walk 30 feet and come down here and say yes to him come on come on sis come on sir anybody else anybody else i thought there was one more do me a favor turn to your neighbor and say friend if you need somebody to go down there with you i will you don't have to go alone i'll go with you is there anybody else anybody else anybody else anybody else hallelujah hallelujah Can we all pray together? Hallelujah. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins. God gloriously raised you from the grave. And I'm asking you to raise me up from a life of sin into the newness of your love. 
Transform me now into the light of your love. I give you my life. I give you my heart, my whole heart. I'm not going back. There's nothing to go back to from this day forward. I choose you. I'm, you chose me. Now I choose you. And I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise all around the building today. God bless you, brother. God bless you. I don't know if you have somebody. Hallelujah. If Do you want them to go somewhere? We're good? Okay. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just want to open it up. Um, feel free to leave if you would like, but I tell you, God wants to do something miraculous here today. If you're here and you need a miracle, it could be a physical miracle, a financial miracle. You need God to show up in the worst kind of way. Your back is against, see everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants their back against the wall. Everybody wants the parting of the Red Sea, but nobody wants their enemy closing in on them, right? To where they gotta have it or else. But that's the nature of a miracle. You need God to show up in something major in your life. I want you to come down and line up across here. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Whoo, look at all these folks. We may have to make a second line. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to ask my wife to join me. We're three minutes from the two-hour mark. If you need to go, feel free. You can stop by and grab... A book if you would like by the way I didn't mention this before they're normally $18 plus shipping and tax they're $16 no shipping no tax you can pick one up um, you can also buy five or six if you'd like for friends and other people hallelujah hallelujah I want to tell everybody we love you we're so glad that we were able to be with you today I'm gonna to minister as long as it takes because this is why we came. It's not a book tour. It's a miracle tour. God is doing amazing things. We had one woman that we prayed for and she had one arm that was swollen three times the size. Her right arm was three times the size of her left. Just prayed for her and in front of everybody, it shrunk down to normal size. That happened down in Texas had another couple just this last weekend I had a word for and the word was this you've been estranged from your son I don't know these folks but the word of the Lord came and said you've been estranged from your son for it seems like 18 to 24 months but I hear the Lord saying he's got this and soon that's going to be restored we got that was two weeks ago today and we got a phone call this last Wednesday from that pastor and said that out of nowhere, 10 days after that was spoken over them, their son, who they hadn't spoke to in two years, called him and said, Mom, we want to come home for Christmas. Oh, God is in the healing and the restoration business. Had a woman that was almost paralyzed 
and she was she was walking on a walker but it was so it was so bad that that it was steps like this on the walker and she could if if it weren't for the walker she could not stand came off of it hallelujah totally healed God doing an amazing work. We've had legs grow out. We've had blind eyes open. We've seen God do amazing things. Y'all, he is a miracle working God. And today you've pressed in for him to do something in your life.